A reading from Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, so that they may know that I will be with you as I was with Moses. You are the one who shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Joshua then said to the Israelites, Draw near and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, By this you shall know that among you is the living God, who without fail will drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, Jebusites. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is going to pass before you into the Jordan. So now, select 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. When the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off. They shall stand in a single heap When the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant were in front of the people. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So when those who bore the Ark had come to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still, rising up in a single heap far off at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, while those flowing toward the Sea of Arabah, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off. Then the people crossed over opposite Jericho. While all Israel were crossing over on dry ground, the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on the dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. You remember our labor and toil, brothers and sisters, We worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how pure, upright, and blameless our conduct was toward you believers. As you know, we dealt with each one of you like a father with his children, urging and encouraging you and pleading that you lead a life worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. We also constantly give thanks to God for this, that when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as what it really is, God's word, which is also at work in you believers. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. 
Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore do whatever they teach you and follow it, but do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. They love to have the place of honor at banquets and the best seats in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Initial apologies. You, you, you might think we were going back to the Middle Ages and, 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 and purposefully turning off the air conditioner. Uh, the, re- the reason for the incense then was that people stank. And so this is why they swung it to perfume the people. Uh, the air conditioner just seems not to be working today. I'm really sorry. Um, now that that community service announcement is out of the way, uh, would like you to consider with me all the saints. And of course, we have a fantastic way of doing that today in the Oaxacan tradition, Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. Many of you know that on the Day of the Dead, which is interesting to think about, isn't it, that the vernal, I'm sorry, the autumnal equinox is the Day of the Dead in the New World and in the Old World. Right? Same, same time, the autumnal equinox is behind the Sam Hain uh, Celtic tradition as it is here in the New World. Same, same day. The day in which the veil between the living and the dead is perceived to be thin. The tradition is, of course, to remember. Not in the way that, oh, I forgot that phone number. I'll just look it up and write it down. But in the true old sense of the word, where a member of your body has been detached, and on this day, it is remembered. It is reattached. It's a day, of course, of celebration and gratitude where we remember that where we are is precisely because of whose shoulders we're standing upon. It's a day in which we remember the light that the saints have shown. The light that they have shown in our lives. And of course, and by so doing, we remember that life is not ended in the Lord, it is transformed. The light that the saints shone while they were on earth has not been extinguished, it burns in our lives. We bear testimony to it. So on this day, of course, is when people go and they make altars and they bring flowers and candles and light and pictures and personal effects to remember, to reattach, the lives and the light of the people they see no longer. This day is the day in which faces are painted, not just as a reminder of our mortality, 
but of course his identification with the people who we see no more, but who we feel very deeply still. This is pretty good to think about saints. So often we have this misguided thought that a saint is somebody who did some act of heroism. And of course, we typically think you can't be a saint until you're dead. Because no matter how good you are while you're still alive, you can mess it up. <laughs> right? So, so we don't call people saints until they're dead because we know you could do something really crazy in your old age. This is true, isn't it? This is true. So we're sparing with this. And this is part of the tradition that we've assumed, that saints are people who have already entered into heaven. And this is still accurate in the Roman tradition. A canonized saint, canonized, is somebody who we know has entered into heaven because their personal effects or their name has worked miracles, proof that they are somehow more with God. Of course, Saints are anybody who's gone to heaven. This canonized saint, though, is somebody who has assured us of their heavenly presence with their relics. With their relics. The Bible doesn't speak of saints this way, and I think this is helpful. Many of us learned in the fifth grade that Halloween really just means All Hallowed's Eve, right? All Hallowed's Eve. The night before All Saints Day, who are the hallowed people? Of course, they're the saints. In the Bible, that's not a category of piety. It doesn't mean they prayed longer or prayed better or went to confession more often than the rest of us or really meant the rosary all 140 times they thumbed through it each day. That's not what it means at all. Holiness in the Bible simply means extraordinary. In fact, we call the Bible the Holy Bible because we say these stories are not ordinary stories. Sure, they're stories, but the church has found that they connect us to God in extraordinary ways for more than 3,000 years, and that's exactly why they're holy. They can do something ordinary stories might not do. Holy people are not the ones who turned the wheels of the entire history of the world. People like St. Thomas and St. Peter, Martin Luther King Jr., they're all dead, notice. So we say, aha, world turners. Holy people, no doubt. Holy people, though, are also the people who did extraordinary things in the lives of anybody else, even for a moment. Extraordinary things like we ask God to do every week we come in here. We have regular old bread. We have wine that might even be less than ordinary compared to what you drink at home. (laughs) We say, God, these things nourish our body. Do something extraordinary with them. Nourish our spirits. We have regular water in, frankly, an extraordinary shell right there. And we say, God, this ordinary water does something about cleansing and refreshing for our bodies. Do something extraordinary with it and refresh our spirits. Saints are people who do that kind of extraordinary work. People who will never be canonized. Like that fifth grade teacher or that third grade teacher you had when you hated math. And they paid attention to you and they saw you through it and it was extraordinary for you. It did not turn the wheel of history. It just turned the wheel of your history. Saints are those people like that coach 
or that grandparent, the rest of the world has no idea how extraordinary their ministry to you was, but you know it full well, and that light will always burn, even if they were to never do it for you again. Those are the saints of God. And how interesting then that we get to hear Jesus once again in the gospel talk about the clergy. (laughs) He says the Pharisees are not to be emulated. Sure enough, they are people who know the law. I grew up hearing, and perhaps you've heard this too, actually from one of my saints in my own life, do as I say and not as I do. Of course, I would have been much happier to do as that person did. (laughs) To heck with the words. But we settled for doing as he said. (laughs) Notice Jesus doesn't say, do not do what they do. He says, do what they say. But be different from their conduct because what they're saying as a positional authority is being in charge of you, of giving you a way of life that they're not even willing to support of giving you a path to follow that gave them no life either. And of course, they want you to follow it into death. Jesus says, do not follow their way to death. Be different. Be extraordinary. Keep their teachings, but follow Christ and the saints into ways of life. Do not give someone a burden you're not willing to carry with them. One of my saints was the rector I was assigned to as a postulant. You know, in the Episcopal Church, we have lots of words you can't even use in Scrabble. They're way too long, you know. We have words like inquirer and aspirant and postulant and ordinand. They all mean something really, really different. I probably already bored you. As a postulant, I had not steeped in the Anglican tradition long enough because I was a Southern Baptist and I went to a Methodist seminary. So what did the normal clergy do? They said, you're not one of us. You didn't go to an Episcopal seminary. You weren't a cradle Episcopalian. You don't genuflect or cross yourself at the right time in the services. The normal track was for me to go and spend $30,000 as an adult in an Anglican school so I could soak in the Anglican tradition. One of my clergy peers told me I should go to England and just lay on the ground and soak in the soil of Anglicanism. Let me tell you about what my saint, <laughs> my saint said to that person. That is Anglican fantasy land bullcrap. <laughs> my saint said, if you would like to see how the church is dying, go to England. If you'd like to see how the church is living, go to Africa. Of course, he's right. My saint was the guy who, when we celebrated retired clergy, waited for the bishop to give the invocation. And that's when he went to the food line, because after all, there would be no line while the bishop was praying. (laughs) My saint 
was the one who went by Edward. And when people said, Father Edward, he reminded us of the passage that Jesus quotes today, call no man father, for we have one father who is in heaven. And for me, his sainthood, the reason he is Father Edward to me is because he insisted he never would be. That was my saint. Not because he was quirky and weird, but because instead of seeing how I did not measure up somehow, or at least he tricked me into believing he did, he saw that there was light in me. He said, Mike, don't you be those ways that lead to death. These people are doing this to you because it was done to them. They are asking you to jump through hoops that they were forced through. Don't follow them. Don't put them on anyone else for their ways lead to death. I don't know how well I'm doing, but I'm grateful for that man every day and he's still alive. His light will never go out from my heart. Then there was a saint that I met on the plane ride to Zurich. He was a flight attendant. And between services, he sat down for about an hour and told me what I should look forward to seeing in Zurich just because I expressed some interest. I was going to be there a few days. And then he used rather lavishly the resources of Swiss Air to give me a box of Swiss Air chocolate. I don't even know his name, but I remember the light he provided me, nervous that I'd be living for six months in a place I'd never been. He made it that much easier to go. And I remember the saint I saw this morning. He's an ultra runner, runs around the neighborhood. I thought I'd be friendly and ask him how far he was running and what for. And he answered. He answered which was not part of his training plan, you know? He kept running, don't get me wrong, but he answered. How on earth is that saintly? Because it's extraordinary. Is he extraordinary all the time? I don't know, I don't know him. But I know he gave me an extraordinary moment this morning. The passage from Joshua tells us, I think today, that the saints are the people who allow us to ford the challenges and the rivers of life. They are the people who, if they don't make the ground totally dry, at least make it walkable. We're called today, I think, to remember that the veil between heaven, between living and dead is actually thinner than we like to let on. And we're called today to remember with gratitude the people who allowed us to ford those rivers and those challenges. We're called today to remember the Edward Harrisons and the flight attendants and the runners we saw on the road or even just that person who returned your hello when that was really what you needed that day. Not just because those people were extraordinary, but for a moment They did something extraordinary. We're called to remember these things, I think, because we have this promise of faith that life is not ended in the Lord, it's changed. That a light is never put out. It's converted into smoke and it rises. It's changed. It reminds us that we don't 
just do good deeds. We change the arc of history when we're kind. We change people's light when we're empathetic and compassionate. It's not just nice stuff that we do. It's holy stuff, and we're saints in those moments. And I'm convinced, of course, that scripture and discipleship is about us living into sainthood for ourselves while we're still alive. You see, the books of the New Testament are not written to the church at Philippi. They're written to the saints at Philippi, who most certainly were alive. After all, the letters were read aloud to them. We take a lot, I think, to remember that the saints are living people. Not perfect ones, but ones that have chosen to join God in doing extraordinary things while they're alive. The help comes from another one of my saints, an Anglican professor when I was at the Methodist school. I learned as a young boy that humility is about degrading ourselves. After all, isn't humble about pushing yourself down instead of pushing yourself up. So, if I made a hundred on a test, the response had to be, I got lucky. The professor picked questions that I knew. If the painting was good, it was because I just lucked out that day. Got to stay humble. Beat yourself down. The Anglican professor said that for the longest time in the history of the church, only recently, in fact, was the word corrupted to mean something like that, humility meant being exactly who God had created you to be. No more and no less. Sainthood is not about being less than who God has made us to be. Sainthood is not about diminishing the works of life and love and charity and faith and hope that we are all a part of. Frankly, you know we're a part of them because you're here today. There is a saint in your life because you are here today. They might be living, they might be dead. I am positive All Saints Day is not just about gratitude. It's not just thanking the people for those extraordinary moments that have got us where we are. No, it's about being in communion with them. It's about joining them in sainthood, even if all we can do is five minutes a month. <laughs> we can. We do. And every time we do, we bear witness to every saint in our life. And we do as they did. We make the light of God shine clearer in a world that needs more light. And that's why I invite you to join me now in recommitting to our baptismal covenant, which is all about living as saints. Why don't you stand with me and turn in your red